Thank you so much, worship team, and kids as well. You guys are awesome for doing so many good things, Christmas Child and all that. Man, this is, this is a lot of fun, a lot of things to, uh, to celebrate and remember, to, to worship of our God and thankfulness for the people around us. So it's great to be a part of uh, what's happening at GPC. Hey, you've caught us in uh, part nine of nine. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, all right. So uh, that either means you're glad it's over, you know, or you're glad for it. I don't know. I'm not going to uh, try to interpret that too much, but we have come to the end of our nine-part series we're calling Refocus, Refresh, Refuel. If you have been with us at all, you know that the reason we're doing this is because every now and then you've just got to stop, step back, and say, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why are we doing what we're doing? This is a church-wide question of why do we exist where are we heading? What does it feel like on the journey? Now, this morning's message is, is going to be um, a little more corporate in feel than maybe most messages, okay? So what I mean by that is this. If you're coming this morning and you're feeling like, man, I really need to hear something for me. Like, I really need to hear something in my relationship with God because I need to know that he still is present or that he cares, whatever. You may hear that this morning, but this morning will likely feel more corporate in application. How we as a body worship and what that means, okay? So just kind of a heads up on that. I don't think it's a bad thing, I just think it's a thing. And I felt a little like, what this feels different to me in processing this, and I think that's really the bottom line for me, all right? So we've asked these questions along the way. What are we doing? We ask that question, and we know that we're developing fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. It's our mission. We ask the question, where are we headed? What's our direction? What's our plan? To be present in the town square is what we talked about, that image. We would love to have you have that image in your mind that we're relentless in pursuit of the social, spiritual, and cultural good. We believe we should be impacting our community at a, at a variety of levels. Okay, and that's just kind of our vision, where we're heading. And then the question, what will it feel like on the journey? That's been stuff that we've been processing for the last really six weeks or seven. This is now number seven. Okay, Now today, to kind of get oriented today, I'd love to take you back to a time where you had your first date. Now, you may not have had a date yet. I was going to have people raise their hands if they'd been on the first date, and then I thought that might be embarrassing for people who don't haven't had a date yet and all that, so I decided not to. Then I thought maybe we could just randomly take your worst first date stories. I mean, how fun would that be? Then I thought, well, that, that might go downhill in a hurry. So I just want you to think about the time when either you or maybe your parents or someone you know all right, went on a first date. Now, Here's what happens on a first date, and it's amazing to think of how all of what goes on in that time. I cannot speak from a woman's perspective, all right? You don't want me to anyway. Number two, um, but I, I can speak from where I come from. So for, for guys, generally speaking, um, here's what goes on in our minds on a first date. Well, <laughs> this could be dangerous. Okay, <clears throat> let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. I don't know what goes on in our minds. Sometimes it just takes about one second to tell you what goes on in our minds. And I, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> Anyone who's going on a first date at some measure will be interested to make sure that, that they actually think through what will happen. That they actually think. Now, if you're a guy and you're asking a girl out, you actually, if you want a second date, if you want a second date, you are actually going to think about, number one, um, what are we going to do? Like, where are we going to go? And what we do sends a message about the date. Like, I had a friend in college who took his uh, friend, who became girlfriend, who became fiance and got married. Their first date was going to fly kites in the park. Like, all right. That sends a message. 
I didn't take Jen to the park to fly kites on our first date. That wouldn't have sent the message that I wanted to send to her. You might decide I want to go to a restaurant. Okay, then the question is, what restaurant do you want to go to? Because that sends a message as well. You likely will not end up at Burger King, KFC, McDonald's, or Taco Bell. Now, if you do, you've had a first date. Good luck with the second one on that. There's a reason you go to another place that's a little bit nicer. And there's a reason as well that you as a guy will also shower and groom, even though you may not do that and probably won't do that if you're going to hang out with the guys. You will do that if you're going out on a first date. You will also, believe it or not, you will also clean up your car slightly to get ready for the first date. The, the straw wrappers, the napkins, the extra whatever, Chick-fil-A, Burger King stuff under the seat, you're going to pull out and you might even fumigate that baby for a minute. Why? Because it matters when you get to the door and you have the girl come right and she gets to your car and you, because you're a gentleman, you're going to open the door and she's going to get in. And in the moment of time that exists between she sits in the passenger seat and you walk around to the driver's seat, you do not want her turned off by you in those couple seconds of the smell of your car. And here's what happens. You know that at the end of that date, she's going to go home and her girlfriend's going to ask her, how did it go? And what she's going to say, it does not matter if you are the world's best conversationalist, if you have the deepest, most profound insights on your soul and on her future, and, and you're an incredible philosopher and thinker and just this, this warm, romantic guy, if you smell bad, if the car was terrible, and you went to Mickey D's, you know, and, and did nothing else, like, it's over, right? I mean, it, it's, it's over. You cannot overcome that. And here's why we know that's important, because of this. The medium is the message. The medium is the message. The medium, or the way in which you encounter a date, sends a message. Before you even utter a word, if you walk up to the door of, of this girl, you ring the doorbell and she looks at you, immediately a message is sent. You look sharp. Holy cow, did he just work out and come from the gym? I mean, seriously? I mean, immediately a message is sent on the medium. She gets in the car. A message is sent on what kind of car that you have. Is it clean at least, you know? Are we pulling up to Mickey D's? Are we going to Olive Garden? Are we going somewhere else? Did you do your own? Did you cook your own meal over candlelight, you know, in some kind of mansion that you found? What, what, I mean, what is it that you're doing? And that all sends a message. The medium is the message, right? This is why in your homes, in your homes, you care about what your home looks like. If you're a homeowner, you live in an apartment, whatever, you care about what it looks like. This is why if you're a kid, your parents walk into your room and they're like, you've got to clean this baby up because it sends a message. And you're like, what's wrong with that? I'm fine with that. No, you need to clean it up. It sends a message. This is not what you want to create in your world. Just not what you want to do. This is why your business is decorated or not decorated the way that it is. It sends a message based on your personality and your style. Now, now let me flip this quickly to the church. In the church... The medium sends the message. There's no question about that. Ever been too warm in here for you? Randy, where are you? Ever been too cold? Do you think that would change the way that the message is communicated to you? What if all of a sudden our soundboard operator decided to screech this baby? We get feedback about every two or three minutes. Do you think that would impact the message that you hear? <laughs> the medium is the message, right? So how you encounter and how you experience the truth really, really matters. And here's, here's the struggle. Let me, let me put it this way. When the church starts messing with the medium, things can get 
wonky. That was pretty profound, I thought. I've never used the word wonky in public before until now. But I think it's very true. This is why the most uh, classic example of a church argument that you ever heard of is the argument over the carpet, right? The color of the carpet. Classic example of church arguments. Why? Because we know things can get wonky and funny when the church starts talking about the medium. Should we have pews? Should we have chairs? Should the guy up front be in a plain suit? How about a suit? How about no suit? What kind of music should be played? What kind of temperature should be in here? All of a sudden, the medium, when the church starts talking about the medium, things get wonky. We get a little funny. We can kind of get a little on edge about this. And we kind of don't want to because we want to be bigger than that. But we kind of can't help it because it's the way in which we encounter the content or the truth. Because the medium is the message. We can't separate too. And here's what the church believes. The church really wants to keep the main thing the main thing. The church doesn't want you to come and just experience what man puts together. The church believes this. It's about God and not man. And rightly so. When, when you come to a church building and you come to Grace Point Church, we want you to leave not impressed by man, but lifted up to see God. That's our desire. And I think it's your desire too. That is what we want. You're going to have to encounter God through some kind of medium, however. Just part of the deal. Now, here's what we also know. There is a line between appropriate and over the top. Right? There is a line between what's appropriate and over the top when it comes to what the medium feels and looks like. Here's the problem with the line. That line is invisible. Or, put another way, the line is relative. Or, put another way, the line is subjective. What's too loud for you is not nearly loud enough for the person behind you. right? What's too warm for you is not nearly warm enough for the person around you. The style of this singer or speaker that's great for you is just not quite connecting with the other person. The way that someone is whatever, that line is invisible. That just part of the deal. Now, I want to talk about this. This is a little bit unique for our culture. Uh, and, and I want to speak to not just in, in general, but specifically to Lancaster County now. We have, we're in a unique section of the country, no question about it. Those who've lived outside of this county for any period of time will tell you that we have a unique thing. Not a bad thing, all right? Just unique. Just unique. And one of the unique elements of Lancaster County that impacts the medium the way that we encounter God through our worship is what I call the plain effect. The plain effect. The plain effect is not, let me be clear for a minute, I'm not talking about plain people, this is not personal, this is the effect of of an ideology. Let me be clear with that. This is not personal, this is ideological. What I'm meaning by this is that there is an ideology or a viewpoint that says The more humble and simple our means or our medium, the more likely we are to not engage in worldliness and therefore elevate God. That's kind of the the plain effect. Now, that impacts us. That impacts us. And here's what I think is behind that. The plain effect is driven by a desire to honor God. I have no doubt about that. But I also have no doubt that impacts us and how we worship and how we engage 
with God. There's no question in my mind about this. Now, let me also say this, and this is maybe the most critical point I want to make about this because it's right at the heart of it, and that is this statement. Plain can activate the will, but never capture the heart. Plain can activate the will, but never capture the heart. It is okay if you disagree with me on this. Here's what I mean by that. Let me clarify. Plain, in the sense of simple, humble, drawn down, can activate you to do something out of duty and out of obligation. It can activate your will. For a while, you will respond to that. It's the right thing to do. You're duty-driven. But it doesn't capture your heart. It doesn't activate and move your passions and your emotion. To illustrate, how many of you ever, coming off of a date, if I can go back to that illustration, how many of you have ever come back from a date, as a, as a woman, let's say, as a young lady, you're on a date, you come back and your girlfriends ask you, how was it? And you're like, he was so plain, it was awesome. He was ordinary. Man, I can't wait to go on a second date with him. It can activate the will, make us do things, but it doesn't engage heart. How many of you, when you're on a walk in the woods, you go out to your cabin or someone's cabin for a weekend, whatever, you go out and you, you come home and whoever you, you talk to, your spouse, your friend, whatever, they're like, man, how was your walk? What did you see? You know, you know what I saw? I saw dirt on the side of the path. And it was so plain that I was moved to worship God in abundance. It was amazing. Because the dirt was just awesome. And God made the dirt. What are you moved by? You're moved by the beauty and the power of the sunrise, the mountains on the side, the waterfall that you see, maybe the eagle flying overhead as you encounter the crisp breeze of the morning and sense the power of God, not in the plain, but in what's amazing. Our hearts are captured by the powerful, by the beautiful, and by the amazing. It's just the way it is. Our hearts are captured by the amazing, by the beautiful, by the powerful. And I believe that's from God. I believe that's from God. I believe God wires that in us. It impacts how we see our medium and how we encounter God as a church culture. Now, when I think about these concepts, okay, I want to take you just briefly to, to five different ideas in the scriptures. I'm just going to turn to one at the end, and so I'm going to kind of skip over them like a stone skips over the pond. Five different seasons, if you will, in the scriptures where I want to highlight some of what I'm saying so we can understand this from a biblical standpoint, because I think that's important. If the medium is the message, what we want is the medium to capture our hearts. Okay? We want the medium or the way, the means in which we engage God to capture our hearts. And I believe God does this in Scripture. And I, and I begin thinking about this, number one, with the Garden of Eden. So just thinking conceptually about four things, and then I'm going to take you to the book of Revelation to, to kind of wrap this up. But in the Garden of Eden, um, you begin, first of all, by saying, 
God engages and he creates an environment in the Garden of Eden that is idyllic. Idyllic, if I can say that word right. That there is perfect communion with God and man in the Garden of Eden. That there is beauty untamed in the Garden of Eden. There is power. There is a sense of God's presence that he creates a place. He creates a medium in which he can communicate, if you will, to, God, to, to man. And man, Adam and Eve, they encounter God through the unblemished beauty of the Garden of Eden. It was so profound that when sin entered the world, you know what happens, Adam and Eve are kicked out of the Garden. And ever since we've been kicked out of the Garden, we want to get back to the Garden. We want to get back to the place where we can commune with God with unhindered and unfettered access to him. We want to get back to what we have lost. We want to get back to the most beautiful, most intimate and personal relationship that we can imagine, which exists in the Garden of Eden. That, that image, the very fact that a place was constructed by God and created by him, sends the message that the medium is the message. You want to know what kind of creator I am? Look around you at the medium, the way which I'm communicating, the way in which I've made things. Now, over time, as sin enters the world, God begins to communicate in different ways in different places, different people. And that's kind of the way it is. The nation of Israel comes into play through the covenant to Abraham and, and on down that way. And, and ultimately, as we get into the, the books of First and Second Kings and all that, uh, we begin to see that this guy Solomon gets raised up. Now, you know something about Solomon. You know that uh, he's the wisest man to walk on the planet next to Jesus. Also, the richest man that we know of, uh, maybe next to Job, but let's put them in the, the top two wage earners in Old Testament history. Okay, Pretty smart guy, uh, incredibly wealthy guy, uh, a man who had incredible influence. And Solomon's temple is built. Now, if you've never thought about this reality before, the most wealthy man on the planet, the most influential man in his time, and really almost, I would argue, forever outside of Jesus, builds a temple that takes him seven years to build. Now, just think about that for a minute. One of the things that he does with the temple, and the temple actually isn't huge, like, don't think Urban Outfitters huge, just think ornate and beautiful. Attention to detail, down to the minutia. And it takes the man who has access to all the resources in the world, the known world at the time, it takes him seven years to put this together. And if you were to walk through that temple, you would see gold everywhere. Not just, hey, throw the gold plate on, but gold. You would see finely crafted mahogany. You, you would see pillars that were um, created in the stone quarries. One of the things that Solomon said to his laborers is, I don't want, essentially, any noise on the work site. I want you to construct this temple without building it here. In other words, I want you to take the measurements for what you need, and then I want you to do the loud, dirty, dusty work over in the stone quarry. I want you to do all the sculpting all that over there, and then I want you to bring it already perfectly fit to its spot and put it together here. Because I care enough about what we're building, that this is a sacred place. This is the medium in which people are going to meet with God. And when they come, I want them to be lifted up, not by the beauty of the craftsman, but I want them to be lifted up to see 
This is a place and a space, a medium, in which I can meet with God. The medium is the message. Even more profoundly, even more profoundly, when God begins to think, maybe, maybe that's a theological blunder if he begins to think, he's always thinking, okay? When God thinks of what is the best way, as I move forward in history, what is the best way for me to communicate with man? What is the best way for me to communicate to people who are lost, that they need a Savior? You know what he could have done? He could have just declared from the heavens, hey, you're lost, you need a Savior. Hey, he could have, he could have texted. Seriously, like he could have invented the phone, right? He'd be better than Steve Jobs at the iPhone. I mean, it just, it's true. He could invent the, the Internet. Okay? He, could, he could have just sent us a message, but instead we get the incarnation of Jesus. In the incarnation of Jesus, we see that the medium is the message, that God decides I'm going to send my son to this planet to walk among you. And as you look at him, see me. As you look at him walking among you, I want you to see me. The medium is the message, a very, very profound reality. When Jesus is walking through his life, he comes to a point, and we read it in John 14, um, where the disciples are afraid. And the disciples say to him, um, Jesus, basically, we don't know what to do. We're afraid of the future, the unknown. And Jesus says, listen, relax, relax, relax. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. And, you know, I'm going to go and prepare a place for us. In other words, there's a place, there's an environment, there's a picture. I want you disciples to get a picture that there is a place or a space in which we're going to go. And then he says, if this weren't true, I wouldn't have told you, but it's true. In other words, there's an environment, there's a, there's a place to go. Just think, I don't know, Garden of Eden. You know, think Solomon's temple kind of thing. Think that God speaks to us through the environment in which we are in. Ultimately, we get to the end of the book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 19. And here's where I want to read to you from. If you want to turn there quickly, you're welcome to. You, you, you don't have to. You can hear it here, whichever one you like. But Revelation chapter 19, very last book in the Bible, we get a picture of the marriage supper of the Lamb. The marriage supper of the Lamb in, in Revelation 19, 6-9 gives us a future hope for what is yet to come. And in there, the Apostle John is, is writing this letter, um, and he, he recounts this environment, this space. And he says, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. And then the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. You see what's happening there? What's happening in this marriage supper of the Lamb, the wedding supper of the Lamb, is we have an environment that is being described. It's amazing. It's beautiful. It's powerful. It's captivating. It's certainly far from plain. It's certainly awesome. And it speaks of food, tangible reality, what will be eaten. It speaks of dress, what people are wearing. You see that fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. It speaks about music that is being played. It speaks about a message that is being shared. Hallelujah for our Lord 
almighty rains. We have the sounds that are going on of rushing waters and the loud peals of thunder. You have an environment that you can imagine, and this is given to the church as the future of what to look forward to. Not just a disembodied future where we're philosophically floating with God in heaven without our hearts captivated by his beauty. This is a completely different view of Christianity. That you need to look forward to the future Garden of Eden. Remember that? How God created that at the beginning? This is the reality. That the medium is the message. The medium is the message. The way in which we encounter God is the message. Now here's what I want to say about this. All right, so if you're, you've been kind of going in and out or whatever, here's what I want to say. It took me a minute to come up with this, so don't, don't kind of cringe or go sideways and just kind of track with me on this. All right? If the medium is the message... If the medium is the message, we want the medium to be more than medium. No response whatsoever, all right? If the medium is the message, we want the medium to be more than medium. Okay? In other words, what I'm saying is, listen, if the message is that we serve a God who is indeed awesome, who is indeed powerful, who has, while we were still in our sins, sent his son Jesus to die for us, If that's the message, then the medium or the way in which we share that message has got to be more than average. It's got to be more than ordinary. It has to be more than plain. It has to be more than normal all the time. It has to be engaging the heart. And I know, I know, because I said it already, when you start talking environments at church, things get wonky. I get it. You're already starting to ask, is he trying to say we're going to turn music way up? Is he trying to say that we're going to turn lights way down? Is he trying to say we're going to get rid of pews and get chairs in here? Is he trying to say that now he's not wearing a tie anymore, now he's just going to go with a t-shirt? Like, I don't know if I can handle this. It's not about that. It's about what is the message and what is the medium or the way in which we're communicating because the medium is the message. And if the message is awesome, then the medium has to fit that. Yeah? If I'm going out on a first date, I do not want to be known as average. I want to grab her heart. Okay? Now, and here's what we say about that. I lead all of that into this. This is our core value statement. This is why this core value is even here. And here's what it will feel like on the journey here with GPC. That we aim for joyful, creative, and engaging environments for our hearts to be captured by the life of Jesus. Every age group should look forward to Grace Point events. This is why we have this statement here. Not because we just want freedom to do whatever in the world we want to do, but because we know we have a message that is amazing to share and should captivate the heart, and we want the medium to reflect that. So let me just look at this real quickly with you. See this? We aim for joyful, creative, and engaging. So as we are evaluating and thinking about how are we doing as a church body, are we creating joyful, creative, and engaging services? Here, publicly, but also in smaller groups, Sunday school classes, grace groups, children's ministry, student ministry, all down the line, we're creating creative, joyful, and engaging environments. One of the things we talked about in student ministry not too long ago was the need to to have students sharing their faith and talking about what they believe. Putting 
to words. What is it that I believe? And wrestling with that reality, because we want to engage people with their faith. Secondly, this, we're aiming to create environments, okay? We're aiming to create environments. We cannot control the heart, but we can control the environment. So we're going we're gonna to work on the environments. And here's why we work on environments, for our hearts to be captured by the life of Jesus. So you wonder, okay, why, why is this happening? Why is that happening? Because we want to, to capture the heart for it, okay? Now, finally, this, every age group should look forward to Grace Point events. <laughs> Every age group may not look forward to every event. Now, here's why we have that in here, though. Because if every age group realizes why we're trying to do what we're trying to do, I believe we can all look forward to the event. If we understand why we're doing what we're doing, we're trying to capture the heart, capture the imagination. So that our generations are moved to see this amazing God that we serve. I believe that this indeed can happen. Now, there's some implications of this for us. Okay. Number one, um, if it ain't broke, fix it. If it ain't broke, fix it. Now, here, here's what I mean by that. If we're going to track with this and walk this through as a church, th- this means this, that we are going to paint things before they need painted. Okay? We're, we're going to um, fix things before they need fixed. We're going to spend money on things, not just because something is breaking, but because it needs updated. This will cost us more than less. This kind of mentality will say, wait a minute, we need to think about every environment around this place, around this building. We want this place to be a place that captures the heart and to be far from ordinary. Now, if you're a creative person, if you're an arts person, this should get you mildly excited. And if you're not, this should get you mildly worried. All right? That, that's just the way it's going to work. If it ain't broke, fix it. That's the mentality. Now, warning, low-hanging fruit ahead. In other words, if you want to pick on something, this is the easiest, lowest common denominator to pick on, isn't it? This is why the color of the carpet is the biggest classic argument there is. If you want to pick on something, it's easy, 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 easy to pick on. Man, that music was a little off, and the way the guy spoke was a little off, and I wish that he would dress differently, and I wish that she would do whatever differently, and I can't believe we spent so much money on whatever, and did you see that there's a TV over there now, and what is this going to become, like a movie theater, or blah, 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 whatever, whatever. Okay, warning, low-hanging fruit ahead, easy to criticize the environment, easy to criticize. There is a difference we know between criticizing and critiquing. I just encourage you to do the critiquing. It's okay to critique. It's okay to have the feeling, hey, wait, what are we doing? Wait, I think it's too much. Eh, I think there's a line and I don't know. That's fair. That's fair. Listen to me. It's fair. Let's talk it through. It's fair. There's a warning. Low hanging fruit ahead. Don't take that bait. Critique. Fairly. Critique. It's okay. Just be careful. Okay? Finally this question to ask for yourself, and this is what we tag on with a value statement, is the environment that I'm helping to create engaging? In other words, in my Sunday school, my grace group, in my whatever my role with the worship service, what is it that I'm trying to do and how is it that I'm trying to engage people with where I am? So things that we are continuing to talk about, for example, you know, uh, take our children's wing, for example. What does it look like for children to walk in and say, you know what, this is a place that, that oozes, <laughs> oozes the beauty of God. Right now, it oozes a cinder block wall. I mean, not that that's not beautiful in its own right, but listen, is there more to the character and nature of God? And if the medium is the message, then the medium 
tells us something about what we value of God. The medium is a message. And if the medium is a message, we want to be far from medium or ordinary with our medium. Just the way that is, okay? Now, as we wrap up this entire series, um, we've asked these questions along the way. What are we doing? Where are we headed? What will it feel like on the journey? And I hope, and I hope that from the word go on this, that you have gotten greater clarity on what we're trying to do at Grace Point Church. That at the end of the day, you can be reminded that what we're trying to do hasn't changed. We're in the business of developing fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That's what we do. We try to figure out what that means. How do we keep doing that? How do we keep pressing into that? Where do we go with that? Where are we headed? We believe that this message is powerful and amazing. We believe that the hope of humanity rests on this. We believe that the the redemptive power of God through Jesus Christ is worth taking to the town square. And that as we take that message to the town square and exist as a church that is after the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we're also after the common good of the people that he has made. And we're relentless in our pursuit of the social, spiritual, and cultural good together. We're present in the town square. And that as we do that, our core values follow. That we're fearless with one another. That we embrace challenges together. When we think we can't, we step into it together. That over and over and over again that we are people who are high in our communication quotient with one another, great in our grace toward one another, moving to create, as we talked about this morning, environments that are engaging the hearts of people. If you want to know what it will feel like on the journey, these core values are meant to help you understand this is what we're meant to do. If you along the way have the question, why are we doing that? Why are we doing that? Wait a minute, I'm confused. Why are we adding that? Why did we take that away? Why is he saying that? Why is she doing this? I can guarantee you that if you go back to these questions in this series, you will find an answer. Why are we doing that? It tracks with one of our core values. It tracks with our vision. It tracks with our mission. Why are we doing that? And I hope that as we continue to stay focused, I'm telling you, I I am, people have asked me along the way, okay, are you encouraged or not with where things are at? I don't know that I have been more encouraged with where things are at at GPC in my time here. Someone asked me the other week, um, you still have the passion for whatever, you know. For <laughs> You guys seen the movie Braveheart? Anybody seen that movie? Got a couple people wake up on that. Okay, yep, there we go. One big hand in the back. All right, a couple, couple people seen that. Here's the skinny on that. You got, uh, who's main character? Is that Mel? Yeah, Mel, okay. Mel Gibson running across the front lines with whoever they are. I forget their name. Okay, this is terrible. I can't remember anything about the movie. I, I think I saw part of it. Mel's going along trying to rile people up, you know, to, to fight for the cause, and, and they don't have very much to fight the, the big army with, and, and the background music, and the, um, the crescendo comes in the background, you hear this thing, and he's yelling and screaming, you know, all this stuff, and you're kind of feeling ready to go and take on the world, ooh, there we go, yeah. and then we're going to go fight, we're going to take over the bad guys, and we're the good guys. And someone asked me, do you have that passion still? And here's what I said. That passion for me in the ministry here at GPC 
has been driven further into my will than probably at any other time before, and further into my resolve. In other words, the background music may have faded. Listen, hear me out. The emotion of that moment may have faded. (laughs) But I'm in the battle, and I've been in the battle for whatever it is, 12, 12 and a half years, whatever it is. You know what? I am more convinced than ever that the fight is worth it and that we're fighting the right fight. So my resolve has never been stronger to continue this fight, if I can use that metaphor. I am enthused. I am, I am deeply committed to what is happening at Grace Point Church and in our community. I, I see no other future for me. I, 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 I don't. This is where God has led me. As you think about what are we doing, I have a deep resolve to say God has led me here and led us here with an incredible opportunity to step into the town square and offer his goodness and his grace to people. And along the way, we're going to ask, why are we we doing this? Why are we doing it this way? Because we develop fully devoted followers of Christ. We want to be present in the town square because these values drive us. This is what we do. This is is how how we roll. I'm enthused. I'm excited about what God can do through us. And I hope along the way that you're encouraged to. I hope along the way as we continue to press into the town square that your heart is moved and captured by the life of Christ. And that as we walk together, we'll walk well together with creativity, with energy, with focus, with forgiveness, with grace, living out the good news of the gospel. I'm tempted to ask are you with me? Hoorah and Mel Gibson kind of thing. I'm going to wait on that. It seems maybe a little much. The medium is the message, okay? Suffice it to say, I'm honored to be with you on this journey. And I'm enthused about what God can do through this place. I think we have an incredible message to share. Will you pray with me? Our good God and Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to you for your kindness, for your favor. We're so thankful for the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that meets us where we are in our sin and in our brokenness. and draws us from that, redeems us, restores us to dignity. And as we share that message in various means with people in this community and beyond, may you give us the courage to continue to hope and dream of a future where all people at all times come to know your son Jesus Christ. May we be relentless in that pursuit. We ask for your strength, for your grace, for your power to be made known through us. Thank you for this group of men and women, boys and girls, who are with us and are tracking. And I just pray your great grace, strength, and provision for us. May we lean heavily on you 
no matter what. In Jesus' name we pray.